Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak of the Solak Show over on Bleeding Green Nation. Yeah, no, the, the new show is fun. I brought on John as my first guest to really wow. just full circle my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was appropriate. Um, but no, it's a good time. I'm excited. It's fun. I get to host. I get to intro. I appreciate I, I, now how difficult it is. I've never I, had to do it before. I was going to say tough- I, roll to fill. I listened to the first episode, and while there wasn't nearly enough, welcome! I did think that you did <laughs> a very good job, and I am very, very proud of you for taking Thanks, over man. the reins as uh, Michael Kist, our good friend on this podcast, has gone on to bigger and better things. Getting to the matter of this podcast, it is a fan Friday! You guys weren't going to get out of here without me saying that. It's everybody's favorite day of the week. Before we get to your questions, though, I do have to say that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, best tasted protein bars on the planet. You can go over to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. We got some fantastic questions. We got pop culture We got football. We got trade speculation. We're going to be taking the listeners' questions for about an hour, just about an hour, and I'm ready to get it going. Are you ready to get it going, Ben? Absolutely. First question. Jackson asked this one, kicking us off with a good one. He said, Ben's Fast and Furious remakes have Mark Wahlberg and John Cena replacing Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, but who Mm -hmm. are replacing the other actors? Like Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese, Ludacris, Jordana Brewster, and Gal Gadot. Did you did, so, you, did you write down some replacements? Because I got some yes, replacements. Okay, I have my five. Okay, Let's what hear. did you angle for? Um, half serious and then half comedy, as I often do in my answers, as I get bored when we go through them. Yeah, that, that's how you were put together, man. Half Correct. serious and half comedy. Yes. All right, you'll notice a theme in mine. You can feel free to uh, uh, raise your hand when you get it. Uh, Tyrese, uh, who's, uh, so Roman, uh, is generally there for comedic relief. I decided to take the character a completely different direction and go for Nick Offerman, who is also comedic relief, but in a totally different way. Nice. Uh, Giselle, played by Gal Gadot, is unfortunately, like, she's mostly, like, an eye candy character, like, when she's introduced, it's like, wow, this is a pretty lady, and then she just, you know, becomes a thing with Hans, sometimes she drives, and that's nice. Uh, so I also went for eye candy and Chris Pratt. Uh, Ludacris, Tej. Is the only one who generally has like, like he'll look at a situation and be like, "This seems unreasonable. We shouldn't be doing this." So he's like one of the few people who is like aware of stuff that's happening. Uh, so I wanted somebody who's bright and incisive. So I chose Aubrey Plaza uh, for Letty. You really need a, a dynamic female lead, somebody with a ton of personality. So I chose Retta. Uh, and then for Mia, I have absolutely no reason, but I just brought in Aziz Ansari because I basically brought in the entire supporting cast of Parks and Recreation. <laughs> I series reunion. I, I was not going to catch that because I don't watch Parks and Rec. So oh, I thought you did. Oh, uh, see that was oh, for, but yeah, but that was for the listeners though. That answer was for the listeners because yes. they so probably if, all if watch. You got Parks it and whenever Rec. you got it, which it's not like it's hard or anything. It's very obvious. But I let it. Yeah, so it's gonna be me, Mark Wahlberg, John Cena, and then 
the, 66% of the, the cast, cast of Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec. Okay. All the good characters, you'll know. So Except for Ben Schwartz, I think it's him. But. I only replaced the characters that Jackson named in his question. So instead of Michelle Rodriguez, I have Natalie Portman. Figured it was just very similar. For Ludacris, I had to stick with the rapper theme because I couldn't take that out of the movie. So I went with the baby. So we're going to baby instead of Ludacris. Nice. Here's where it gets a little bit weird. Uh, Tyrese, I have as Damian Lillard. Why? Because I thought it fit. That's it. That's all I got. Both of them. Was Tyrese an athlete once or no? I mean, he looks like an athlete. I mean, yeah, yeah, certainly. I wasn't I, sure if I, did there, not, there's though. like no connection here other than both of them give you kind of this like confident attitude. Say one-liners all the time. Make you feel like you can do a bunch of cool stuff. That's why I got Damian Lillard. I feel like he's that kind of guy. Uh, Jordana Brewster, I have as Jordana Brewster because uh, we are contractually obligated to keep her in the movie, so we couldn't get out of that loophole. This is where it got kind of weird. And then uh, Gal Gadot, I have as Gal Gadot, but in her Wonder Woman attire. So she's just the character of Wonder Woman. Gadot? Yeah. Gadot. Is it, I've heard her literally pronounce the T when she says her name. Unless she's been trolling me. Because I, I always thought it was Gal Gadot. But then okay. I listened to how she said her name one time. Right. And she actually pronounced the T. Yo! In an interview with GQ... 60% of the time, she gets Godot. It's not Godot. It, it's also not quite Godot. The T is pronounced as a lighter T, a softer T. It's probably because it's she's not like, a, Yeah, it's not like a hard Israeli, T. Like you're, right? not, you're not ending like hard on the T. Yeah. It's almost like you're saying the word dot, and it's it's like you are you got like the, the upward inflection kind of T there. Right. It's like Gal Gadot, but you have to like put you know, like the, the tip of your tongue on the roof of your mouth. All right, I'm going to listen to this video for saying it 75 <laughs> times. You can do the rest of the podcast. Go ahead. Okay. I can't do the rest of the podcast. That would be boring. The point is that you and I have to go back and forth and eventually yell at each other as we actually get into football questions, which now we have an actual football question here. It's one that Ben knows really well, so it's in his yeah. wheelhouse. So he could probably listen to that video and then just pop right in with his expertise. Brad asked this one. Good though. He said if you... <laughs> Still saying it. If you were Carson Wentz, which team Hello. would you want to be traded to in order to revive your career? Realistic teams that he could be traded to? Kinda. Okay, so in terms of like extreme realism, Indianapolis Colts. Supporting cast is good. You worked with Frank Reich before, they have a ton of cap space. They're number whatever. three for me decently right like 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 generally probably maybe can possibly happen but i wouldn't go so far to say it's popular or reasonable is san francisco right the they are number two for me okay absolutely absurd uh would never happen in a bajillion years but it's probably an extremely great place for him to go and be successful dallas the receiving Core is unbelievable, and the offensive line is going to be great when they're healthy. Dallas was not on my list of three. Okay, so who's your number one? Can you guess? I want you to guess. One other team. It is It is not in the realm of, like, would never absolutely happen because this team does not believe in the cap. But Saints. Yes. Yeah. The New Orleans Saints. I mean... That's, that's my one. Like, if, if we're... Ta- I, I was taking the question... At its truest form, which is if you were Carson Wentz, where would you want to go? The answer is 100% obvious that it's to New Orleans Saints. You get to work with Sean Payton. You get to have a run game 
and a and a running back like Kamara with you in the backfield. You have Michael Thomas. You have one of the best offensive lines in football. You got a very confident, great defense behind you. Like that's this is this is I think far and away the spot that you would want to go if you were Carson Wentz. But this is probably not going to happen. Yeah, I like. It is interesting. I think that his personality would not go well with Sean Payton. But well, like from a, I mean, probably not. You're right, right there. Yeah. That makes but sense. Then again, like it what is you, Sean Payton. You kind of should shut up and listen to Sean Payton. Wait, what are you calling Carson? What's a square? Yeah. All right, it's fine with me. Gage asked this I feel next like question. Known. Top, yeah. no, it is. I was just trying to put you on the spot. Gage asked top five bad movies that everyone <sighs> must watch in their lifetime, and this is such a tricky question. Because as I no, looked not. up what constitutes a bad movie, there are movies that like people have on these lists of like 50, 50 bad movies that and, and they're they're on this movie list. And I'm like, this is not a bad movie. Like, what do we, what do we mean bad movie? And so then there are somewhere like the Rotten Tomatoes uh, the percentages is bad, and so like that's how we call it a bad movie. And so I, I have four movies I think oh no I have five movies that I found that it's like okay some people think these are bad movies but like we should all see these these are you know objectively fine movies for one reason or another I have eight movies so I was torn okay let's hear the eight or let's actually let's hear let's hear your bonus three because I appreciate you going above and beyond then I'll give my five and then you give your five the it is impossible to give three without giving the other five is it just like all the Harry Potter movies or something? Close, but not. It's all one of the same movie franchise, but it's not <sighs> the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, I don't think you've heard of this franchise. I'm excited if you haven't, because then I get to tell you about it. And I, love I was going to say Star Wars is too many. It's not popular. Like you don't know it. I don't think. Okay. Well, now I'm just mad at you. Go ahead. What are you mad at me for? Have you ever heard of the Leprechaun movie franchise? <laughs> Wait, is that like the, like, isn't that like a scary movie? Or am I thinking? It's supposed to be. Okay, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, Those are, those are like the weird, terrible, scary movies, right? Yes. So, for anybody who doesn't know. There are eight? Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. There are eight? Listen, listen. Will you let me explain this? The Leprechaun movies, the first Leprechaun movie, titled Leprechaun, (laughs) was released in 1993. It was meant to be a scary movie. The plot was fairly simple. Uh, a bun- It's like a, it's, it was meant to be like horror comedy, but it was meant to be serious. It was like, this is a real thing. A family uh, is uh, uh, in North Dakota. Uh, they they just came back from their family trip. They just came back from their family trip to Ireland. Uh, he, this guy, uh, the main character, Dan, Dan O'Grady, he buries his pot of gold. And there was an evil leprechaun played by Warwick Davis, who if you don't know who Warwick Davis is, Warwick Davis is a very common actor who plays roles for small people. He has dwarfism uh, and he is in everything because anytime like he he is in Star Wars, The Last Jedi, right? He's in Rogue One. He's in another Star Wars movie. I want to say he was in Chronicles of Narnia. He was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's uh, Professor Flitwick in the Harry Potter movies. Okay, he is the evil leprechaun and he's following the cursed pot of gold. And the main character, Dan, locks him down with this magical four-leaf clover and buries him and he hides him. And then 10 years later, that guy's, like, that guy's kids accidentally come across the gold 
and they uncover it and they like they <laughs> accidentally eat a coin or they like follow a rainbow or something i can't remember and then the like, reawakens up the leprechaun because somebody has the treasure again and so now the leprechaun is finding them and the leprechaun like traps them in a farmhouse and murders somebody and is chasing them and the main female character who like you know the pretty girl being chased around by the this evil monster so the horror movie just stick with me stick with me stick with me is played by drumroll please Jennifer Aniston in what? her first ever in her first ever no way appearance. it is her first ever credited movie 1993 played by Jennifer Aniston right so this no was meant to be way. serious and by the way just fun fact for everything and everything whatever she got the friends gig in 1994 so you could argue leprechaun launched her career you'd be wrong but you can argue it anyway so this is real, right? Like there's a there's a scene of her like up on a ladder and like running away from this shadowy creature, and then she looks down. She's like, "What are you?" And all of a sudden, the light reveals it's Warwick Davis in awful makeup and a giant green suit and a top hat. Like, yo, my heart is a leprechaun. I just now. I just googled this, and there's an image of her just holding a shotgun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in it's in like a this. room, right? So then. Leprechaun one, I'm trying. I had the ratings up, and I said, okay, Leprechaun one got a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, which okay. is like objectively bad. But they were already in for Leprechaun two. They made Leprechaun two, that got a six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and then they were like, you know what? Let's just make Leprechaun three because we should, we should keep trying this out, see how this goes. Uh, and again, all of this is just like. A piece of the gold is somewhere. Somebody takes it from where, like, they steal it. Once they steal it, the leprechaun wakes up from wherever he is and goes to murder everybody to get it back. And that's, that. it's the same premise every single time. They do Leprechaun 3. Leprechaun 4 is Leprechaun 4 in space, all right? It's produced in 1997, which is when I was born. Okay, so this is a, a space movie 24 years ago. Uh, and then in 2000, the best Leprechaun movie, the highest ranked at 30% is created. And that is Leprechaun in the Hood. And Leprechaun in the Hood Jeez. is a it's based in L, it's based in Compton and it's it's meant to be like like a, a black horror comedy right it's in that mold Ice T plays the main character who's a pimp named Mac Daddy Onassis this is one hundred percent real Ice T plays a pimp named Mac Daddy How did Onassis we get here who finds a mind controlling flute and uses it to become like a, a very like popular music producer. And in this movie, with no explanation relative to the other movies, the leprechaun exclusively speaks in rhyme and ends the movie with a during credits rap scene. And it's one of the greatest movies of all time. It is so bad. Eight total Leprechaun movies are made, including Leprechaun Returns, which was made in 2018, which Jennifer Aniston reprised her role in. And I have not seen it yet. I did not know it existed until I started doing research for this show. There are eight Leprechaun movies. None of them has an IMDb ranking over 30%. Uh, at this point, they're just doing it as a bit. It is my favorite movie series in the entire world. If you watch one of them, there's watch no Leprechaun way you've seen hood. all of them, right? I've, I've seen this. I've seen seven. I haven't seen Leprechaun Returns. What do you mean? There's no way I've seen them. Do you know who you're talking to right now? Unbelievable. Do the, do, do the listeners of the Solak show know this? Do they know this? I, need I may have talked about it before. I'm very passionate about this movie yeah, franchise. Yeah, clearly, because you spent Listen, five minutes talking about it. Leprechaun Back to the Hood is the second, Jeez, is the sixth movie. We're done. We're done. Movie. We're out. I'm out. We're so far out. I picked my five movies, and absolutely <laughs> none of them are the Leprechaun series, although maybe you're correct in all of this. I picked these movies because they were on, like, bad movie lists, and I objectively just think that they're good movies. Not well. That's not true. In For... for one reason or another. Either I think that they're good movies or I just think that everybody needs to watch it once. 
Somebody has Too Fast, Too Furious on their bad movies list? How? How? It's, no, too, too Fast, Too Furious isn't a good movie, but it is a... Yeah, but it's it, fine. It, it's a bad movie, well, but it one, is a good Paul, movie. Well, Paul Walker was terrible at acting in that movie, but, you know, it's a fast movie. So how how dare you? Four I have on my list is Deep Blue Sea. Have you seen that one? It's a shark movie with Samuel L. Jackson where they, like, they try to cure Alzheimer's by, like, taking part of a shark's brain but mm-hmm. they actually end up making the sharks smarter, so they make these sharks like super smart sharks, and then they like attack the facility in the middle of the ocean that they're in, and it's basically a playoff of Jaws, but it's it's hilariously bad, but you have to... I feel like Deep Blue Sea is a movie that absolutely everybody has to watch. Three, I have Thor 2, which is objectively a terrible movie, however... It uh, is the Dark in, World, yeah. It is in, yes. It is in the Marvel movie series, which means that everyone has to watch it. You have to watch this movie. So it's a bad movie, but it's there. Two, somebody put the Pirates of the Caribbean movies on here. That's a bad take. And I think we've talked about this before. The bad take. What? No. Tremendous movie series. If listen, am I gonna anybody out there listen. thinks that Pirates movies are bad, I got now, Jack we're Johnson talk, we're and Tom O'Leary about, waiting for you right here. We're talking about the canon three movies, right? Not the freaking whatever the fifth movie is that I've never seen in no, my the, life. The fourth one? It's it, Wait, how did we get from three to five? Are there? I thought there's five. I thought there were only four. Did they make a fifth one? I couldn't have cared less if they if they made a fifth one because I also didn't really care at all how for them to make a fourth Pirates one. of Caribbean movies are there? The fourth one was like a prequel. There are six Okay, I don't believe that. <laughs> We're talking the Canon Three: Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest, World. Oh, hello. <laughs> God dang it! I'm not cutting that out. Black no. Pearl, you never cut it out whenever I joke. And then Black Pearl, <laughs> Dead Man's Chest at World's End. Those are the three we're talking about. And then number one, the number one movie is again. I saw this on a bad movie list, and if you think this is a bad movie, you need to watch it again. It's Bad Boys Two. Somebody had the audacity to say that Bad Boys 2 was a bad movie. Do you say that's not a bad take or it's a bad take? That's a terrible take. Yeah, Bad Boys 2 is an iconic film. And if you think it's bad, you know, we got words. We got words here. I almost don't want to read this Bill Bar ad after that Leprechaun series that we had. But I got to do it. I'm sorry, this is the first ad in the first break. This is perhaps Bill Bar's best bar yet. If you liked the cookie dough chunk Bill Bar, then you're going to love coconut brownie chunk dark chocolate coconuts real brownie chunks it doesn't get any better folks these are still the same fantastic bars they're great for your macros they got 150 calories 15 grams of protein only seven grams of sugar but they taste fantastic everybody's looking for a protein bar like that builtbar.com's got it it's a limited flavor so go to builtbar.com check it out you can use the promo code locked on all caps one word locked on and you get 20 percent off your next order but just wanted to shout out make sure everybody knew that they had a new flavor in there and that they're getting new flavors all the time. So make sure you check it back in with BillBar.com. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayella of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to Locked On Presents and the podcast feed on the Radio.com app wherever you get your podcast. 
Back to the Fan Friday madness, in which I have once again lost my place, so now I am making sure that I stall to see what the question is next. Jeff asked this one. He said, what scares you about Jalen Phillips? Is the edge rusher out of Miami. He said, and why do you project Gregory Rousseau higher? He says that he talks about uh, Rousseau being physically gifted, but he looks very raw on film, whereas Phillips looked better on film, but he's not rated as high. So he said, what's uh, what's the difference here between Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau? As somebody who hasn't watched Phillips very closely, uh, I hesitate to say like this one above the other, so on and so forth. Career arc-wise, if we just take a 50,000-foot view, it's it's helpful to understand. So Jalen Phillips was an extremely highly ranked recruit when he came out. I believe he was the number one recruit of the 2017 yeah. class. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, number one position, number one regional, number one state, third overall uh, rank in the uh, ESPN 2017 class. He commits to UCLA. He spends two seasons at UCLA. At the time, he deals with some significant health uh, issues, right? Where he, he deals with injury. Uh, he deals with uh, recurring concussions. Yeah. And they and because of all this, he decides to medically retire from football. After a year off from football, he, he misses it. He goes to Miami uh, as a transfer and plays very, very well. He plays very, very well in a very similar position to that which Gregory Rousseau played in. Gregory Rousseau was another very high, highly ranked recruit coming into Miami, was very successful one year in that system, and then opted out of this year and is now entering uh, the NFL draft, same as Jalen Phillips. You have a younger player with Rousseau who has high-quality athletic traits. He's probably not as as good of an athlete as Jalen Phillips is, but he has high-quality, very clear NFL-plus athletic traits. Mm-hmm. Has not dealt with the health issues. The same uncertainty that you have with his production one season, kind of out of nowhere, a lot of it was schemed up, beat up the Florida State defensive line, You have similar concerns with Jalen Phillips in that role. One season of extremely good production in Miami. Film-wise, tape-wise, I might sit down and and say, you know, Phillips is right now more polished, and he's done this, and he's done that. He's got this rush move that Gregory Russo doesn't have, so on and so forth. But when you look at their arcs, you can much more easily project forward a positive developmental arc for Gregory Rousseau than you can with Jalen Phillips. Because of the injury background and the age. Right. That doesn't mean Phillips is a worse prospect. Again, the film is going to inform that, and I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. No, Gregory Rousseau, actually, uh, you mentioned him being a high recruit. He was actually only a three-star recruit, which which shocked me. But I had to go back and look that at it. So I was weird. like, I think he's only a three-star recruit. Well, I, I, he might have been higher in other um, in databases. Four eight seven forty 40-yard dash, a four four twenty 20-yard shuttle. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, the thing with Jalen oh, Phillips, obviously yeah. ex- extremely talented. Extremely talented as an edge rusher. But you worry about some of the things off the field with him, some of the things that he dealt with at UCLA as well as the concussions. That's a big one. And then the medical history just overall with Jalen Phillips. And that's something I think holds him down. And where On the other side, you look at Gregory Rousseau and you go like, okay, he had this one-year production. Why is he projected to be you know, the, the, high, the higher player in the NFL? And I think Ben did a good job of outlining that you know, when I watch Gregory Rousseau and you see the 15 and a half sacks in one season, yeah, it's a one-year thing, but you also got to realize he was playing so many different positions. I mean, Rousseau was already a guy who was just growing into his weight and and, and coming into a first-time starting role, and we were excited to see what he, he was able to do this year before he opted out, And but he was playing one tech. He was playing three tech on the inside. He was playing five. He was playing wide nine. He played everywhere, and so when you do that in college and you have that much success just naturally— 
that's really, really good. Because think of what's going to happen now, hopefully, when he gets to the NFL and he gets to refine really playing just one position, you think, as an outside edge rusher. And so that's really where the higher projection comes for me is that, yeah, you could look at Gregory Rousseau's tape right now and say, like, he's super raw. He doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Of course he doesn't know what he's doing. He's figuring out his body his first time or right. initially when he got to Miami. Right. And then we, when he got on the field, they were playing him in five different positions. So, of course, he doesn't have a master yet. Of course, he's going to be raw. And so you kind of bet on on what you see there with the athletic traits with him. And I think when you look at Gregory Rousseau, you just you could buy into the upside a lot more than Jalen Phillips, who you can't help but have some reservations about due to his history. So that, I think that that's what the big difference is between both those guys. But clearly very, very talented. Clearly two guys I think are going to go top 50, um, at, at least at this point in time. Mark said, with the announcement of Fearless, Taylor Swift's version of the album, can you please rank Taylor Swift's albums so far? Gladly. Uh, I have a ranking about which I feel very strongly, and I feel very strongly about it because I've never listened to a single Taylor Swift song in my entire life. Eight That's is not reputation. true. That's not true. You've heard uh, a Taylor Swift song in your no, life. No, I'm sure I have, but like, um, is the uh, Lay Me Down in Satin, is that her? Lay Me Down in a Bed of Roses, Drink Me to the River at Dawn. That's her, right? Couldn't tell you. Um, have you? Do you listen to Taylor Swift? I do, but I only have five albums on here because I I don't religiously listen to Taylor Swift. I for some reason thought that you religiously listened to Taylor Swift, so I thought that this was going to be fun. No. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I ranked them. I I did no research. I looked at the names of the albums and ranked them by how much they pissed me off. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. As we often do on this podcast. A reputation. That's just oh reputation. Yeah, I don't want to listen to music about your reputation. That's dumb. Seven lover. Similar feelings about that, all right? Okay. That that sounds like something personal between you and another individual. Right. Don't need to be sharing that with me. Thank you kindly. Six, Taylor Swift. That's your name. <laughs> it's it's better than reputation or lover, which are concepts I don't want to hear about. This is I I you're the artist. You tell me that album is Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift when it shows up on Spotify, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Five. She was not Spotify list. for a little bit, so that's actually ironic. Why would she show Spotify? Uh, she was doing, I think Apple Music only. She like wasn't. Uh, on, it was like a royalties she, thing. Yeah, she wasn't on Spotify yeah, yeah, because yeah. she was kind of. She, I think she was leading the charge for Spotify does not pay the artists enough. You shouldn't put your work on Spotify because they don't respect you enough as an artist. And I think she was really leading the charge for that. But now she's on Spotify like everybody else is. So five is fearless. Uh, that's nice. Um, I hope I don't understand what that she's coming out with the same album again. Don't know. Uh, I just know that she just announced something with a new album. I didn't. I, I have not done the research on it yet. Well, uh, sometimes it's good to have fears, but live your dreams. For 1989. Sounds like a good year. Wasn't around for it. Three, speak <laughs> now. around for it. Three, speak now. I like that. It's a very, it's much more aggressive than your average album title. It's a command. Speak now. Say that. Okay. Sure. I don't, I'm, I came here to listen to music, but I guess I'll give feedback. Two, Red. That's appropriately angsty now. That's appropriate. Like that. That's. I don't know what that means. That's ambiguous. Now I want to listen. But why are we talking about colors? Mm-hmm. One is folklore. This, folk, uh, all lowercase letters too. As a, so I, I'm much more like an indie alternative guy. All lowercase letter album is a good sign. That's yeah, like, oh, I'm right. edgy. I don't capitalize things. Uh, and apparently that album, from what I understand, is like a little bit folksy. I know there's a Bon Iver, uh feature on it, which I'm a big Bon Iver guy. So yeah. there you go. Those are my rankings. Congratulations to Taylor Swift. So that wasn't really on Taylor Swift's music, but more her ability uh, to I, name her albums. I which, used the information at my disposal. 
Okay, that's fine. Which uh, was exclusively the album titles. I only had a top five. Uh, I, I didn't rank all of her albums. Number five, I had Reputation. I didn't really like the Reputation album. Four was Fearless. I mean, neither. It was my least, my bottom yeah, right now. No, I know that you, you were good there. Four, I have Fearless. Three, I have Folklore. And then two, I have Red. One is 1989, without a doubt, because there are just so many bangers on that album. It's incredible. Thomas said, what doesn't constitute a nacho topping? Seems to me, if you're brave enough slash gross enough, anything could be a nacho topic. He's kind of right there. What is an absolutely no for your nachos? I think the single most Fan Friday question we've ever received is just blank. What doesn't constitute a nacho topping? I was stunned when I read it. I read it 10,000 times. That's the best question in the world. What doesn't constitute? I challenge you. That's what great. doesn't constitute? It is it's great. This- the spirit of Fan Friday encapsulated in one question. It's true. And I honestly, because of that, I very much agree with him. Everything constitutes a nacho topping in no. the event that it is on top of a nacho. No. Uh, with no. that said, no. if we're talking about like thing that people put on top of nachos that I think should not be put on top of nachos is cilantro. Cilantro is a horrible uh, herb. It offers nothing. It takes over the oh, taste of dumb. everything. Oh, you're dumb. It tastes like soap. It no, looks weird. Uh, don't put, I used to work at Moe's and Moe's that people would be like, all right, yeah, I want like uh queso and ground beef and onions. This is, oh, and then just cover it with cilantro. Yeah. Screw every, all the other work you just did. I right. just want it to all taste like gummy grass. Absolutely not. Such a terrible take. Do you like Chipotle Cilantro's or no? Bad. Do you not like Chipotle? I like Chipotle. I love Chipotle. Well, like Chipotle is like littered in cilantro. Yes. But like if you cook things with cilantro, okay, it can be fine. If you're just like dumping cilantro on stuff, which again, like is like a thing, like at most, we had like a little like thing full of cilantro, just like, oh, cilantro on top. That's ridiculous. My things that don't go on nachos is anything sweet, like anything at all that is sweet. If you put chocolate, if you put cinnamon, what? if you put marshmallows, if you is this put, a thing like, anybody's doing? Gummies, like I, I'm just he he said that if you are brave enough slash gross enough, anything could be a nacho topping. So I'm saying. I could, like, I would never put anything sweet on a nacho plate. Did you see the video uh, that Golik shared of the lady making nachos on the counter? Yes, it was a travesty to mankind, and I hope she gets evicted. Okay, it was horrible, right? Like, she's just got cold nacho cheese spread out on a marble top counter, which is just, like, offensive and confusing to look at. She's actually mixing things with her hands, which she has mixing tools next to her, so there's no need to be doing that at all. That All of that said... When she pulls the tortilla cone thing, I was stunned. That's a genius. That's awesome. You should make regular nachos in that, i.e. like layers of stuff. You don't need to be out here doing, you know, color me mine at painting adventures with the nachos first. But that tortilla cone, that's that's what I'm talking about. There's a little secret nugget of ingeniousness there in that travesty. Everybody should watch the video, by the way. The whole video was trash. Don't watch the video. You're going to get just angry. Matt said, leave out the... Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald picks rate less needs remaining first round picks that he has made as general manager of the Los Angeles Rams. When I read this question, I initially thought it was a joke. Like it was a trap. Like I was going to look and he hasn't made any other first round picks besides Michael Brockers. That's what I thought. And Aaron Donald. Well. Yeah. I was like, Oh, it's just going to be Jared Goff. They don't make first round picks. I didn't realize how long he had been the GM for. Yeah. Uh, the first round picks for the Los Angeles Rams besides Michael Brockers, who was 2012 and Aaron Donald, who was 2014. Indeed, 13? not even, not even, not even the highest first round pick that they made in 2014. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, Tavon Austin, 
Alec Ogletree, Greg Robinson, Todd Gurley, and Jared Goff. The order, rankings-wise, Greg Robinson is last. Mm-hmm. Alec Ogletree is fourth. Mm-hmm. Tavon Austin is third. Wow. Jared Goff is second. And uh, Todd Gurley is first. I have... Yeah, Gurley's just a health thing. He was going to be good for a while. Just obviously, it was the knee. Yeah, but you picked a running back at 10. Okay, but I'm just ranking how they are as players. Yeah, but like, doing yeah, positional but like, value. Yeah, yeah, but like they got randoms. to this, they got to that goes into that goes into drafting. The show is locked on NFL draft. <laughs> the show is called Locked On NFL Draft with Trevor Sikma and Benjamin Solak of the Solak Show for Bleeding Green Nation. I I'm literally never heard of it. Well, it just started. You check it out. The first episode's out. I have Goff. I have Goff at one, just because he's a quarterback, and they made it to the Super Bowl with him as a quarterback, and I think that matters more than Gurley being good and being picked tenth. But I was I was with you on the rest of it. Greg Robinson was a travesty. Al Ogletree was close to a travesty. Tavon Austin had the greatest college highlight film I've ever seen, and it was absolutely wasted. And then yeah, Gurley and Goff. That's what I got. Never forget that Alec Ogletree was drafted by the Rams. Was absolutely terrible. And then the Giants were like, do you want a big contract to play here? And he was like, what? And they were like, yeah. Do you, we're going to trade a, a seventh-round pick. They traded, no, they traded a fourth and a sixth-round pick for him. And they were like, yeah, this is going to be good. Like, this is Al Gogletree. This is a genius move. And then they cut him next year. Big money. Big money time. Bet Online has the fastest and easiest ways to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're all in full swing. Bet Online even covers the award shows. TV shows, reality TV, real-time updates and on odds and, and props for almost anything that you can imagine. Head over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Promo code is locked on. Thursdays on Locked On NFL are a must-listen at Ryan Tracy and Jake Lisko's breakdown of teams across the NFL from an analytics and team-building perspective. Get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from Ryan and Jake every single Thursday. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Javal asked this one. I, I really like this one because it's, it's opens up the brain, gets the imagination going. He said, with so many potential moves that could be made this offseason, what are some trades that you guys would love to see? Personally, I want to see Orlando Brown in Jacksonville as a fan, and then also a Wentz trade could just be pure chaos from the timeline full of Eagles fans. I didn't think, I don't think I saw this one. I don't have an answer for this one down. Unbelievable. I just got, you send a lot of them and I get overwhelmed. Just sick. Just absolutely All right. sick. Don't you have your own podcast? All right, we're going to do this for the whole show. You can buy this. <laughs> All right. Potential uh, trades that I would love to see. I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about it. Please. One that I would love is I would love to see Derek Carr go somewhere. I would like to see Derek Carr go anywhere. I don't care. That's not the part that interests me. The part that interests me is what John Gruden would do next. Because if they move on from Derek Carr, obviously mm-hmm. they would need someone to come in and play quarterback for them. John Gruden's not just going to get rid of Derek Carr to get rid of Derek Carr, but there have been rumors that Derek Carr could be on the trade block. So what is this man scheming? As a guy who, when he was head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, demanded that ownership spend top dollar on free agents basically every year because he wanted the best, most talented team possible, I really would love to see who he would go after. 
I'm very interested to see Derek Carr, like, because Carr's gotten so much better over the last couple of years. I'd love to see him away from Gruden and see how much of that is fool's goal and how much that is legit. Sure. I yeah, think like that would one. interest me on that part of it. Another another potential trade, and this could even go into the Gruden circle. Like, if Russell Wilson's moving, that's nuts. That I mean, who gets it? Who who they fetches who fetches a bigger trade return? Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? Russ, because of the Watson leverage situation. Right, I I think I think that it's certainly a really good discussion of two incredible quarterbacks. One is obviously right. a lot older than the other, but Watson's leverage does make it really tricky. So I think it's a decent question here. All right, so I definitely I would like them. I would obviously I want the Eagles to trade Carson Wentz. I'd like to see that happen. I'd like to see him trade him to the Bears for two first round picks, please and thank you. That's not an unreasonable ask, right? That's a regular thing. Uh, a terrible ask. JJ Watt. Either Steelers, baby Steelers. I want the Pittsburghs to fill out the Watt triumvirate. I think it would be so much fun to have all three of those guys there. Uh, the other place I've seen is the whole that people are like, oh, they should trade him to the box. Sure. Interested. Uh, so, I mean, another funny trade that I had written down is that Jeff Darlington also talked about Odell Beckham Jr. potentially wanting to play in Tampa Bay, which this is not going to be the last that everybody hears about this because People truly are just going to believe that it's a free ring playing with Tom Brady and Tampa and that team. As much as I think that the salary cap can be manipulated, if they sign Shaq Barrett and they sign Chris Godwin, they're going to be pretty dang close to the cap floor. So I'd say, I, well, if they're if they're trading for Odell, they're letting Godwin walk, right? Like there's there's which, but I'm just I, 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 but I'm just saying like that would literally never happen. Bruce Arians, Jason Light would never choose Odell Beckham Jr. over Chris Godwin. That would never happen. Is is the Julio Jones might be traded thing real? Have you seen this? Uh, I've seen people talk about it, but it would be really weird for them to move on from Julio and just keep Matt Ryan. Yeah, I'm looking at the, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's a pretty big cap hit for them. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, that would be the thing that they have to trade Ryan and Julio and like really just kill this year and then rebuild it out. Um, so I've seen that one talked about before. Uh, Orlando Brown, who I wrote about yesterday for the Draft Network, the ideal spot for him, I would say, is Indianapolis. The likeliest spot for him, I would say, is Washington. And both work. Um, but I, I would like to see him in Indy the most. Oh, really would like to see Mariota get a chance to start somewhere. I think that Mariota could rock the Shanahan offense better than Garoppolo could. TBH. Uh, so I would love to see Mariota get traded from the Raiders to the Niners if the Niners are making a quarterback move, which hopefully they are. Uh, and then finally, uh, Packers need a wide receiver. We've talked about it. We've talked about Julio. I think the Cowboys would pick up the phone on Michael Gallup trade offers just because of where they are with Amari and mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb. There's no way. I don't see how they resign Gallup. I, I, if he commands what I think he should command, which is a hefty amount. He makes a lot of sense in Green Bay in that offense. He'd be very, very good as their outside receiver. Let Devontae play more on the inside. Uh, so Michael Gallup to the Packers. Who else is on the trade block? Deshaun should go to Miami. But if he went to San Francisco, that'd be fun to watch. Maybe Gallup uh, one's pretty interesting. I really want them. But like the, I'm taking all of my Curtis Samuel energy that now he's a free agent I no longer have, and I'm just pouring it onto Michael Gallup. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's sure. just like, oh, here's a wide receiver that I think needs more targets. Who yeah. I think who's good. 
which like, I don't even love Curtis Samuel coming out of the draft. I like Gallup more. And now, you know, with CD, with the CD lamp pick, I think that Gallup could reasonably be traded. But man, he's good. He and Devontae would be immediately one of the best wide receiver duos in the league. And I, I mean that seriously. Like, that'd be awesome. Next question. Top three songs you are currently rocking and throw in one annoying one. Oh, I didn't see the I didn't see the throw in one annoying one. I just I just went with three songs that I'm rocking at the moment. Uh I'm on a huge Cosmo Sheldrake vibe right now, which if you're like, that who sounds like a weird this? band. Yes, it is. I have no idea who Cosmo Sheldrake is. I've not done any research on them slash him. Is it just Cosmo one person? I don't know. Sheldrake. 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 Um, what I do yes, know it's, is it's all- one guy. He's got yes. long, curly brown hair, as we all suspected. Right. So here's the thing. Every guy, single one of his This guy looks out. like a Ben Solak artist. Yeah, he, so he is. He's got, a, he's got a music video of him in a laundromat with a 1970s filter on the camera. I respect it. Every single one of his album covers is like a fish or a bird. And it's like a lot of watercolors. And I don't really understand what's happening. Uh the good song is from Pelican's We, that album. It's called the uh, Tardigrade song. Yeah, the Tardigrade song, which is very, very good. It's very catchy. Uh, the annoying song, by the way, is on the Wake Up Calls album, and it's because half of the album is just bird calls. Uh, Cuckoo song on that album is good, but then like Evening Chorus and Missile Thrush, like those are literally just bird sounds. So those songs are weird, and it's I can't just like put the album on and vibe because then I'm just listening to bird songs while I'm writing, which feels really weird. Uh, also, uh, Face by Brockhampton has been vibing on recently, and Suede was stuck in my head today, which is uh, Anderson Park. I've got three songs for all my emo forever people out there. Point North, Hammer. I actually recently discovered this song, and now I cannot, I cannot stop playing it. The it's... band's name is Hammer. No, the band's name is Point North. Oh, and the song said... name is Hammer. It's Hammer. Yeah, I was about to say, an emo band named Hammer is ambitious. Also, since Eddie Van Halen passed away, I've been listening to a lot of Van Halen, so I've probably listened to Hot for Teacher like 15 times over the last two weeks. And then also, I was on a big Kendrick Lamar kick because I was thinking to myself, I really miss Kendrick Lamar. I wish he would release another album. So Backseat Freestyle is the last Kendrick Lamar song that I have playing on my Spotify. Uh, quick, quick fun story for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have a Quinn Miners feature piece coming out tomorrow, which is very exciting. This is Miners. Story. Miners posted that uh, YouTube video of him working out in Canada. Do you know the one? No. Okay, you should see. It. It's extremely funny. It's him on a logging island in Canada, just like lugging stuff around. Okay. And just like running around. It's just like it's like it's like a very low. It's extremely funny. And he, I he said it to an 80s song and i was like why an 80s song? i was like oh, i like it i was like did you think of any other songs he was like yes and he immediately pulled up a, a notes on his phone and one of the songs he was going to set it to was jump by van halen it's like that's the sort of vibe he was going for it kills me it's the funniest <laughs> video in the world what position we got a, we got a couple of football questions here in the last 10 15 minutes of the podcast what position are each of you most and least confident in scouting Oof. The most difficult position to scout is safety. Safeties look at a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, defense to defense. Also, even more difficult, made more challenging if you don't have uh, all 22 film. If you're working off broadcast film and you can't see what their pedal is like, what angles they're taking, you're often just like kind of prognosticating 
what you think it is they're doing, and that's challenging. Uh, so secondary play can be difficult because of the variety of assignments, and especially because you don't always get great angles on safety play if you're limited in the film that you have. Safety can be the most difficult. Quarterback also for a similar reason, like there's so much going on, but you always have the camera on the quarterback, so you can try to riddle it out. Uh, the positions I feel confident evaluating, and I think I, I enjoy the evaluating and feel strong in my evals, running backs, Running backs usually have a nice defined process. Most blocking schemes are taught similarly uh, uh, school to school, mm-hmm. right? Philosophy to philosophy. So you can figure out what's going on there, which is nice. Um, and similarly, defensive linemen, which I've been doing a lot of work on defensive line recently. But defensive linemen, it's very much so, okay, which offensive lineman is coming at you? From what angle is he coming at you? How does that affect your numbers? What do you have to do with that? Yeah. Uh, and, and so you can learn just by looking at a defense lineman's stance, his alignment, and understanding the basics of how their defense wants to defend the run, you can know, okay, if he gets flow two, then he's going to lag back to the backside A gap. If he gets flow away, then he's going to try to penetrate the B gap, and he's going to T-gog and whatever. Like, you, there's 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 a set rules, and you can distinguish what's going on, and, and that's the most important thing to scouting is understanding what should be happening, what could be happening, and what will happen. I think safety, I agree, is really difficult. Outside of quarterback, which is you know, in and of itself, kind of its own beast. Safety safety is really difficult because sometimes, like, guys confidently play a certain style of coverage, like, on a given play, and, like, something wrong will happen, and you just, you don't exactly, like, you don't know the play call. Like, you don't know exactly what they were supposed to be doing because if they move confidently one way or the other, yeah, you can can have a good idea of what the guys are, are supposed to be doing around you because you pick up the hands and you see what everybody else is doing, but, like, sometimes you just straight up don't know, and then also with safety, unless you have all 22 tape from college, you you really... You really cannot judge what a, what a safety is doing and how well he's seeing the field, how well he's communicating, what he's doing in his role. So safety is just objectively tough. I, I mean, like, my, my hit rate's probably all over the place because I'm always growing as a scout, but I love watching wide receivers, and I feel like I'm pretty confident in learning how guys win. Wide receivers how, are always the best. How they separate, you know, like, what brings value to each position as a wide receiver from a slot or a flanker on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage, in motion, how they can be used as a decoy, all this kinds of stuff. That's my that's my favorite position probably to scout because I can see a lot of wins in that category, whereas, you know, like, I have plenty of missed, like, I was I was a guy who really loved Hakeem Butler, and Hakeem Butler just, like, could not make it happen in the NFL. He just got absolutely overwhelmed and was not what he needed to be, and uh, I was somebody who loved his Iowa State tape, so it's it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that it's my best position or I don't have any misses at it. I just really enjoy scouting mm-hmm. wide receiver because you can find a lot of different guys who win in different ways and who can complement offenses in different ways. So that's probably how I would uh, how I would say. Now that, that I th- now that I think about it, I've uh, I've never missed on a quarterback or uh, well, I've never any missed on I, yeah, no, I've never yeah. missed on anybody. So so actually, so it's probably all of the positions and none of the positions. I think is probably my most honest answer. Yeah, uh, you know, just to be reasonable. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good of you being honest. We got another question here. This is a good one. Could be a spicy one. Right now, what QBs would you start? Would you take to start a franchise? Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff, Josh Allen. You got to rank them. I thought you just had to pick one. I rank what QB. Okay, so my pick is Lamar Jackson. My ranking would go Lamar, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, one to five. I had Goff five. I had Mayfield four. I had Murray three. I had Jackson two, and I have Allen one. But I'm right. 
I'm in a such weird spot with Josh Allen right now where like I keep on saying on so many podcasts and so many articles, you know, this this deterioration, this fall from Carson Wentz is unprecedented. It is so rare. It has never happened statistically that a quarterback suddenly got this bad. So he's probably going to bounce back. And then I see like Josh Allen with the single greatest leap in accuracy in any NFL history. And I think to myself, uh oh, like right. if this is true about Wentz. So I'm in a weird spot with Allen right now. Uh, I, I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Allen. I still think Lamar's running ability, the dual threat ability is sublime. But, you know, like I, I totally get Allen at a nut season. Uh, Houston Sports Pod asked me this on Instagram. He said, I would like to resubmit a Fan Friday question from a week ago. You got Patty Fisher, you got Tough Borland. Who would you rather have on the field for your team in a coverage situation? Because I told him that that was a painful one to answer. Uh, Patty Fisher, only because I haven't watched him recently, and I have watched Duff Borland recently, so I can lie to myself and pretend like it'll be okay. And I guess that that's got to be the answer. I guess I, I'm with you there. Connor asked this one. He said, pick a trade for each position that you want a player to be absolutely elite at, assuming that they're average at everything else, like running ability for a QB or something like that. Right. So I think that, like, this is, to me, this isn't dissimilar to the, like, what's the one trait that overcomes average athletic ability question that we got last week in the sense of, like, it isn't enough to say like, oh, I wish my wide receiver had elite long speed and then was average or anything else. If you have average explosiveness with elite long speed, you're never going to get up to long speed because you're not going to be able to explode beyond contact. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want my corners to have elite this, agility. There, there's there's right. I, I'm glad that you preface it like this, but like this can't be a it, it's not a perfect answer. Like our what we're, what we are going to say here does not mean if this guy has this trait all sins are forgiven. It's just kind of a, to me, it was like a, Hey, if you could, if you could start by giving a guy something, what would it be? Because if you're completely average at everything else, you're right. You're not going to make it anyways, but these are the Mm -hmm. traits that probably stuck out, stuck out to me. Yeah. So for me, it went uh, quarterback mental processing, running back vision to that point of, of kind of the mental aspect of the game wide receiver. I went with hands. If you just catch everything that's near you, I can, I can work around with that. Uh, offensive line, I went for foot speed. I think if you if you can get quickly to your spots, you, you you take away the easy rushes. You'll be able to delay things in that way. Uh, for defensive linemen, it's it's uh, explosiveness, it's posterior chain explosiveness. If you win that first step, you're going to win a lot of stuff for me. Uh, edge is the same thing. Uh, I want first step explosiveness. I want you to to be able to win with leverage, low pads, first step, and be able to to, to take ground on a tackle. Uh, linebackers is mental processing much like it is for running backs. It's going to be vision. It's going to be seeing the field for corners. I want ball skills, which like, you know, if you can't cover, you can't cover, but average athletic ability, I can probably get you into zone and, and be successful. I want you to be able to make plays on the football, at the catch point too many good corners get, you know, uh, have their careers dropped because they're not able to make those impact plays, which are pass breakups and interceptions. Those are drive killers. So I want those at cornerback and then at safety. Once again, I want vision. I want field vision and mental processing. Quarterback, I have decision-making. So yeah, football IQ. I mean, I I think that's number one. Running back, I also have vision. Wide receiver, I have route running slash footwork. Uh, Obviously, you have to be able to catch the football, but that, you know, being able to separate is so important. And and I think that that's a trump card that I would want a wide receiver. Tight end, I have contested catchability. So I'm throwing it to you in tight situations. You You got a linebacker draped all over you. You're catching something on third down or in the red zone. I want you to be great at contested catching. Offensive tackles, I have footwork and foot speed. Interior offensive linemen, I actually have core strength and balance because it's a lot more of kind of in a phone booth kind of a thing. You got to you got to brawl a little bit with them. Interior defensive linemen, 
There's a lot of things that you could pick here, but I picked handwork. You know, if, if you could be fast with your hands and precise with your hands and dis- disengage in blocks and cut up gaps in between uh, in between the center and the offensive guards, I mean, like, you can really get a quarterback off of off of what they think is comfortable. So I have handwork there. Edge rushers, I got burst and dip. You know, those rare athletic traits that I think are really important for attacking outside shoulders. Linebacker, you're right. I mean, a mental processing and vision, you're the middle of the defense. You got to be able to recognize a lot of stuff and call things out. But I also had, I had fluid hips and just like overall kind of athleticism to be able to be reliable in coverage, be, be have a good feel in zone, keep up with tight ends and man coverage. I feel like if I could give them that, then we could probably hopefully figure out the rest with enough experience. Cornerbacks, I have shit talking. Uh, safety, <laughs> I have field vision. <laughs> Just casual. You can't say linebackers athleticism. That's like ten traits. All right, acceleration. Like, like I had, I have the words fluid hips on here. Is that not enough for yeah, you? That's fine. That's fine. You said fluid hips. You know, like just generally athleticism. I'm fine with fluid hips. I'm not fine with general athleticism. All right, oily hips. Yep. The trait I'm gonna, I want to give all linebackers is uh, Luke Keekly. Being Luke Keekly. That's the trait <laughs> you should have. Just have the trait of you are Luke Keekly. All right, Darren asked this question. He said, can you please explain to an Englishman how QB contracts work? Why do they insist on taking roughly 25 to 30% of the salary cap when it's proven that the cheaper the contract, the higher chances of competing late into January? Both Brady and Breeze were generally taking restructured deals. Look at Goff and Wentz. I mean, 20 mil a year guaranteed is more money than you'll ever need. And also QBs tend to play for you longer than that position anyway, so you're collecting more money. I've thought about how much they take up a percentage of the annual cap, and so this big question is, like, why do QBs command so much money when they the, their teams won't have a lot of money to surround them with the players they want? So, right, warranted question, a fair question, and certainly for somebody who's watching from from across the pond and just, like, you know, I don't know, like, is perhaps new to the game or what, it just isn't indoctrinated with this idea that quarterbacks are king and forever will be king and so on and so forth. The idea that the the cheaper your quarterback is the deeper you make it to the playoffs is true, but there's a survivorship bias there. You're already existing in a small subset, which is to say your quarterback is good. And so you've made it to the playoffs. And now the cheaper he is, the more likely it is you've spent money on other positions. If he's on a rookie contract and that gives you the advantage at other positions relative to your opponent who you may be facing. They also have a good quarterback, but if that guy's a veteran, he's on a veteran deal. So it's much larger. Robert Mays of the athletic likes to say, it's hard to win the Super Bowl with an expensive quarterback. It's even harder to win the Super Bowl without a good quarterback. So you, you, you do, it is to your benefit if he's on a rookie deal, but it is far much more so to your benefit. He's just good. And eventually good quarterbacks get money. Now quarterback contracts, as you've noted, have, been ballooning, uh, been attacking their ceiling relentlessly over the last several years. A lot of that has to do with the way that uh, the CBA changed rookie contracts and, and the accompanying realization of how much more a good quarterback positively affects your Super Bowl chances relative to a good wide receiver or a tackle or a corner or an edge. With all of that said, the idea of tying a quarterback salary to a percentage of the salary cap is something that has been floated around more recently in recent years because of this ballooning. Will we ever get there? I don't know. Uh, Percentage of the salary cap sounds good in a vacuum. The reality is the salary cap, not during COVID times, but during regular times, accelerates at a humongous rate. And there's a, a good chance that those contracts would start to become just as lucrative as these contracts, maybe even more so. You know, I want 30% of the cap this year. I want 31% next year. Right. Those are right 15 20 million whatever they're they're significant increases so 
I think that we will see those those that sort of language get involved in quarterback contracts. I do. And I think that as that's a, a, a frontier of contract development, it may give some teams some advantages. But quarterbacks will continue to get paid disproportionately to their value, probably, because the conception is that it may be hard to win a Super Bowl with an expensive quarterback, but it's even harder to win a Super Bowl without a good quarterback. Right. No, and it's just the market. You know, like you are whatever somebody is willing to pay for you. And and that rings true. That sentence, that saying that Robert says it is like, hey, if you don't have a quarterback, you need one. Whether it's a rookie deal or whether you're paying for one, you have no chance without a good one. And so, yeah, I think that we've seen in the past, you look at quarterbacks who are in their 30s, you know, looking to compete, looking to make stuff happen for the rest of the team that are willing to get flexible. But then, you know, of course, you know, you look at guys like Deshaun Watson, like Patrick Mahomes, like like Dak Prescott, who were like, yeah, I'm 25. Pay, pay me the money. You know, like, let's I, I want you to pay me basically as much as possible because this is my first time to right. make real money offside off of a rookie contract. And then guess what? The next time somebody else goes to sign one, well, the market has been reset, and now you look at those new numbers. And so it's all just about what somebody's willing to pay for it. And, and quarterbacks can always change around their contracts or change around their money to, to try to help their team out to go get a different guy. They can always do that, but quarterbacks are always going to dominate the salary cap. They're always going to control it that way. And, and that, look, it's the most important position, and whatever somebody's willing to pay for them, they're not going to say no. I got two questions left. One of them. You are actually I'm gonna save that one for the end. This one is wow. this Cliff one hanger. is this one is the dodgeball themed question because I, I asked somebody earlier in the week to somebody please ask us a dodgeball question. And Mike asked this one. He says, You guys briefly talked about dodgeball in the last pod. Just like in the movie, it's six V six snake draft rules. Draft your team and explain why you did. So me and you, we're gonna do this live. Yes, uh, you're gonna lose. Okay, that was yeah, it was scary confident. Do you wanna go first or second? Uh, I'll go second. Okay, I'm going to take Lamar Jackson. Uh, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. Okay, Patrick Mahomes. That was extremely stupid of you. Nah, it's no problem. I don't want Mahomes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have another pick there, sweetie. Uh, no, I just couldn't. I couldn't get over the fact that you uh you did that. Um, ooh. George Kittle seems like he'd be real weird with dodgeball. Like he he seems like he'd be the you know what if, George, if you're worried about George, multi-millionaire NFL players being competitive, George Kittle's a great pick because Kittle would absolutely get extremely serious about the game. George Kittle would be like the pirate from the movie. So I'm gonna go with George Kittle. So who do I have now? I got Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, George Kittle. Okay, okay. Oh yeah, I should also be crossing off your guys. That's a good point. Um okay, so I have Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Yep. I would now like Julian Edelman and Odell Beckham Jr. Oh man, Odell's a good one. Odell's a really good one. We'll go with DeAndre Hopkins. This next one's very important. I wanted Odell. I didn't think that you were going to take Odell that early. Oh, come on. Step up. That actually hurts. It hurts my feelings that you would take Tampa Bay Buccaneer great Odell Beckham Jr., Right away. <laughs> Once in future, David Buccaneer. Byron Jones. Oh, sick. All right, Deshaun Watson. Okay. And I want to take Tom Brady. It should piss you off. I mean, I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna take Brady. Brady's old. He can't move. 
Justin <laughs> Herbert. Oh, Herbert's a good one. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. Okay. Oh, wait. You had a pick, and then I'll explain. I mean, you you should explain as I'm looking through the Okay, list. you're making your pick. Yeah. Okay, this is very easy. We're putting Josh Allen in one back corner, Justin Herbert in the other back corner. We got Kyler and uh, mm, probably Deshaun also along the back making throws. Oh, I'm, picking, I'm picking have, Cam. I'm picking Cam. Cam's a good one. Yeah. I have, and then I have Odell and Edelman who are basically serving as uh, bodyguards to Allen and Herbert, catching balls, making sure that, that sure. anytime you, you try to take out my howitzers in the back, uh, <laughs> they're protected. Then just feeding them balls, and then it's just Allen and Herbert just taking snaps from Odell and Edelman, just firing howitzers, just screaming. Right? You think, oh, my my team is fast. They're not this fast. With Josh Allen, Justin Herbert throwing ninety mile per hour dodge balls at you, uh, and also Edelman and Odell both have some of the best quarterback ratings in NFL history because they both get used on passing plays very well. So we're good. Final question from Andrew: You are Doctor Frank and Solak, and his what's accomplice- your explanation? I, my team's just better, so I'm just going to beat you. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> you are Dr. Franken Solak and his accomplice, Mr. Sicklegore. That's a weird name to combine. You've been tasked with creating a monster quarterback using limbs of previously existing quarterbacks. Assemble the perfect quarterback. I have it for you. Are you ready? Yes. Are, this isn't previous quarterbacks, but I've got Kyler Murray's body. I've got Kellen Mond's what? arms. And I've got Peyton Manning's forehead. Boom, I'm out. I have Mike Vick's left arm and Lamar Jackson, or Mike Vick's left leg and Lamar Jackson's right leg. Uh, why wouldn't you just Patrick go? Mah- why wouldn't you just go like same leg so they know how to work together? No, he said limb by limb. We got a Frankenstein. This, thing. Okay. this is a true Frankensteining. I'm just okay. hoping their leg lengths are roughly the same. I don't think that's gonna be the same. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes' head, vision, brain, instincts, eyes. Sure. Josh Allen's right arm, mm. Steve Young's left arm. I can throw wow. it Nice. No matter which way I'm moving, nice. I just put the ball to the other hand. Give me two footballs. I'm going to complete two passes at the same time. Are you going to do like Quentin Nelson's chest? A limb. A, a, a torso is not a limb. Yeah, but you got to attach to something. It's got to go to something. Have a little creativity. Brock Osweiler, six foot seven. The lobster. The once and future great quarterback. No, who's a fat quarterback? Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, you go like Big Ben's torso. Barrel chested, right? To be able to withstand some glancing blows. Can you imagine if Ben Roethlisberger had just like Mike Vick's athleticism? That's what I was about to say, right? Can you imagine Roethlisberger moving at the speed of Lamar? It'd basically be an an uglier body looking version of what Cam Newton actually was in the NFL as a giant human being who could run way faster, way more fluid, way easier than you need to. There we go. That's all of them. That's Fan Friday. Love you guys. Thank you so much for all the questions. That was fantastic. We didn't get to the football ones until the end, but look, that just means that you got to stick around until the end. That's how the show works. We got a fantastic show coming for you next Monday, and then, of course, we are getting back to the Fix Your Team series on Tuesday and Thursday. Brand new additions. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.